The coronavirus pandemic has challenged global leaders and individual citizens on many levels. Focus, resilience, endurance, and leadership are traits critical to survive and thrive in the midst of uncertainty. Astronaut Scott Kelly shares his strategies for navigating the extreme challenges of long-term spaceflight, isolation from loved ones, the pressure of high-risk situations, and the mental toughness to take on challenges beyond your control. Gravity-defying wisdom grounded in earthly insight for our times, all on this episode of Therefore What? Therefore What is a weekly podcast that breaks down the news while breaking down barriers, challenges you in the status quo, explores timely topics and timeless principles, and leaves you confident to face what's next. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News, and this is Therefore What? We're very pleased to have uh, Scott Kelly join us. Uh, Scott is former military fighter pilot, test pilot, engineer, retired astronaut, and retired U.S. Navy captain, a veteran of four space flights. He commanded the International Space Station on three expeditions and was a member of the year-long mission uh, to the International Space Station as well. In October of 2015, he set the record for the total accumulated number of days spent in space, the single longest space mission by an American astronaut. Scott, thanks so much for joining us on There For What today. My pleasure. So give us a, a little bit. Obviously, we're, we're going to start uh, with this very interesting time that we live in with the coronavirus and a lot of challenges there. If there was one lesson from space that you learned that could help our listeners today, what would it be? You know, I think it's important to have the right perspective on this, and that is that, you know, this is our mission, all of us, to be a part of this very challenging battle against this virus. And there are things that we need to do that uh, collectively that will help us get through this as quickly as and safely as possible. So, yeah, I think it's important for us to have that perspective that this is, uh, you know, it's a challenge for all of us. And, um, you know, don't try to count the days either. I know, you know, people are hoping this is going to be over, you know, today. I don't think it is. Uh, and I think it's important to just kind of take this day by day and, um, you know, not think about when this might be over. But it will be over someday. And, you know, hopefully at that time we can look back and think uh, and know and, and believe that we all made the right decisions for what was best for not only us as individuals, but our species. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that uh, you have written about uh, your book, Endurance, uh, a lot of the lessons that you took from space, uh, what are some of the, the key traits that uh, that you learned in terms of endurance? I think that's such that resilience is such an important thing, not only in terms of what we're dealing with now, but just uh, just surviving and thriving in general. So I named um, my book, which was Endurance, A Year in Space, A Lifetime of Discovery. I use that word endurance for a few reasons. One, uh, and the original reason was that this was a, a long mission, the longest uh, by an American. And, you know, when you're doing something that's long and hard and challenging, it takes some endurance. The other reason was I am a uh, big fan of uh, Ernest Shackleton. And um, for those that aren't aware, he was an Antarctic, Arctic explorer as well, a little bit, I guess. But the Antarctic explorer that has this, just an incredible story of, of survival and perseverance and leadership in the uh, early part of the last century in Antarctica, where uh, the ship, his ship, uh, Endurance, got uh, crushed in the ice and the crew lived for over a year on the ice on iceberg and then made this harrowing journey to a small island then St. Uh, George's Island in the South Atlantic Ocean. And it took over two years, and no one died. 
So, wow. you know, I always look for him to him for inspiration. And in my situation, I always felt like, hey, if if things went south on the space station, and I ever got it got so bad that I started feeling sorry for myself. I would just pick up a few pages of his book <laughs> that I took with me in space twice and, and read it. So that was the second reason. The third reason was you know, after I wrote my book, I realized my life has kind of been a a mission of a guy with a lot of endurance and, and never giving up because I started out uh, very in kind of a bad spot as a bad student and eventually was able to find some inspiration and overcame that and went on to fly in space for a year. So, uh, you know, I think my story has, you know, a bunch of lessons there in this idea of, you know, never giving up and perseverance and endurance. Yeah, it, it's such a uh, a vital, vital skill and trait uh, for our time and in so many different things, whether it's in work, whether it's in family relationships, community, uh, nationally for sure and internationally, uh, it, it definitely is a, a critical trait. Uh, I wanted to ask you in particular, obviously, uh, space travel is not a low risk uh, or for the faint of heart. <laughs> Uh, and what is it that enabled you to have the kind of confidence you needed to, to execute? I mean, you can't, if you're hesitating, if you're vacillating, I would assume you're going to make some uh, bad choices in space. Uh, tell me about the mental preparation there to have that level of confidence to be able to execute. Well, I think confidence is about, you know, preparation and knowing what your job is, uh, having all the information that you need to execute your job and you know, but, you know, you always have to balance that with, with the fear you have uh, in a situation. I understand that this situation can be terrifying for people. I mean, it's easy for me to say, hey, you know, keep a schedule, you know, don't count the days, this and that. But I understand, you know, people are losing everything they own. They have no money for food or rent. So uh, it's a scary time. But I've always found in my life, career, flying airplanes, being a test pilot, carrier, uh, aviator, astronaut, that there are things that you could be scared about. But if you focus on the stuff you have control over and ignore the stuff you have no control over, then that helps alleviate some of that fear. And I think in this situation, you know, there are things that, that people can control and things that they can't. And, you know, I know it might be hard, but try to focus on the, the stuff you have control over and maybe that'll make you feel a little bit better. Tell me a little bit about, uh, obviously when you're on the space station there, that, that's a pretty, one, you're, you're incredibly isolated, but you're also in really close quarters uh, with a few folks. You know, it's, uh, it's a bigger place than I think people might imagine, uh, the space station. It's like a really, really big house. Got a lot of stuff in it, but also you can use all the volume because you're floating. So, you know, any space over your head that you don't use in your house is, is useful volume. So I never, at least on my year-long flight, ever felt like the walls were closing. And I mean, I did actually on my six-month flight, um, when I was getting to the last third of it, I felt a little bit more, you know, irritability, fatigue, you know, the walls closing in a bit. And I think it's just because I went into that year-long mission with a different mindset and perspective, a plan on how to get to the end with as much uh, energy as I had in the beginning. But, you know, the space stations are pretty comfortable. Uh, well, I say comfortable. Comfortable as far as the size is concerned. There's other reasons that it's not comfortable, you know, having to do with microgravity and fluid shift to your head and the amount of carbon dioxide. But from a, a space perspective, it, it wasn't that bad. Not too bad. 
Very interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned the the differences between your your first your six months up there versus the year. Uh, you talked about how you know you were a little more irritable, a little more of that anxiousness uh, in the six month. What what was it that you learned, or what was it that you did different going into that second year long mission uh, from the first? Well, uh, it was a bunch of things. You know, part of it was part of my mission was to be there for a long time. So I recognize that. And I wanted to, uh, when I look back on that experience, know that I did the best job I could. It was my responsibility uh, to be there for a long time. And I think there are parallels here in that this is a mission for all of us to follow the guidance, to do what the right thing is, not just for us as individuals or our families, but also society as a whole. I understand that's hard to balance those, you know, how you balance that. Having said that, though, I came into it also with a plan. I wasn't going to count the days, um, especially count down the days. I think it's important in this situation. If you ask me how many weeks I've been in quarantine, I couldn't tell you. And it's because I don't look at it that way. I look at what I'm doing tomorrow. I look at what I'm doing on the weekends. Uh, I have a schedule during the week. It's a much different schedule than on the weekends. The weekday schedule is, you know, taking care of myself, taking care of our uh, living environment, taking, doing work if you're lucky enough to work. But, you know, you need to balance that as well because you're basically living in your office now. But take time for uh, exercise, time to get outside, light uh, exercise is very important to our mental health. It's important to our immune systems. Take time to connect with friends and family. That was important for me in space. Made me feel like yeah, it wasn't so far away. Hobbies, uh, something that's a complete distraction from you know, the, the daily routine is important for me. Uh, on the space station, I read, I wrote. I think journaling can be a very cathartic process, especially if you have no one to share your feelings with. Uh, you might be isolated by yourself. Writing them down is a way to, you know, at least admit to yourself that this is challenging and help you, you know, think through how you're going to deal with it. Yeah, that's great. That's such great advice. I, I do think uh, taking that time to just put pen to paper and uh, write some things down uh, can can really be uh, an important part of that process. You might write something amazing that you can use <laughs> later and write a book, or if you don't, maybe contribute it to something else. And if it's uh, you don't do anything with it, at least you have a good you know a good souvenir from what will arguably arguably be you know, one of the most, one of the historic events of our uh, lifetime, yeah. not in a good way. But, but historic for sure. I wanted to yeah. ask you, uh, obviously, as you're heading out into space and while you're in space, you, you're very dependent on a, on a whole host of people doing their jobs with excellence. Uh, trust is a, has got to be a big factor in terms of all the people back on the ground, uh, mission control. Tell me a little bit about that experience. What did you learn about trust through this process? Yeah, you have to trust people to do the right thing, you know, to do their jobs, to uh, be good teammates. If, we, uh, if we're all just doing what's right for us, it's not going to work. And um, so I was lucky enough to work for an organization, NASA, that was professional, that was thoughtful, that was always prepared because what we were doing was so, so complicated. You have to be able to trust your leaders to make informed decisions, not decisions based on emotion and politics. So I think we, uh, we need to consider that. We need to consider who our leaders are, for one, and then, uh, you know, have people that will make their choices and their decisions that affect their lives in a, in a profound way based on science and fact. During your year-long mission, 
what surprised you the most? What did you What did you learn in that process that was uh, a little surprising to you? Well, you know, one thing I, I've learned, you know, all the time I've spent on the space station is that it's just a remarkable piece of engineering and, uh, you know, human triumph that you could build this million-pound structure in space while flying at 17,500 miles an hour in a vacuum in extremes of temperatures plus or minus 270 degrees, built by an international partnership, 15 different countries, different languages, you know, different cultures that... That's the hardest thing I think we've ever done, harder than going to the moon. And if we can do that, build the space station, go to the moon, right? If we can do those things, we can do anything if we put our minds to it and work together. You know, do it in a, a approach things, problems with uh, logic and science and do it in a very thoughtful way. We can get, we can do amazing things. As, as you look at the uh, future for... Uh, space for NASA in particular. What do you see as the the next frontier? You know, do we have a do we have another moonshot in us? Do we have a Mars shot in us? Uh, wh- what do you hope for uh, for the future of space travel? Well, of course we do. You know, someday, right? And uh, my brother Mark is also an astronaut, and I, I'll quote him. I steal his quote sometimes, but I <laughs> as, as any good him. brother would, right? <laughs> yeah, I always credit him though, and that is, you know, he always says going to Mars is not uh, it's not about rocket science; it's about political science. Mm. It's about having the will, the political support, and the money to do it. And uh, you know, we have some challenges, technical challenges, but really our biggest challenge is desire by the part of our government. I think I find generally the you know, the public support is there, but it never it often doesn't translate into voting for, you know, your your elected representatives that have similar feelings. So, you know, it's going to come down to us wanting to do it someday and then being able to afford it. And, you know, after this COVID-19 pandemic, uh, money will certainly be scarce or harder to come by. But uh, I still hope that uh, spaceflight is a priority because I think Everything that we put into it, we get out back more, uh, a higher rate of return on our investment. Yeah, no question at all. And, it's a, and it is always a, a leadership issue. We, we always say whether you're asking for a dollar or a billion dollars, uh, it's still a leadership issue uh, in the end. Someone who can parlay that vision and, and get people to buy in and, and go for it. Therefore, what? So as we come down the, the home stretch here, uh, the, the program is Therefore What. Uh, you've, you've shared a number of great principles and, and insight uh, with us on the program today, and we, we appreciate you joining us, Scott. And as people kind of wrap up this podcast, what's the Therefore What for you? What, what do you hope people think different? What do you hope they do different after listening today? Well, this whole issue is becoming very political, right? And it shouldn't be. It's about science. And one thing I've learned is that at my my 20 years at NASA, is that everything we did was not rocket science. But some of it was rocket science. And when it is, you need to get your information from a rocket scientist, not a politician, not your Facebook friends, not some media source that isn't trusted. We need to go to trusted sources for information and advice, follow that advice, and we will get through this quicker. I do, having said that, understand that everyone's situation is different. And, you know, it's easy for me to say that because, you know, I'm not worrying about, you know, how I'm going to pay for food tomorrow. But this is a science problem. This is not a political problem. And we need to follow the science and make our decisions based 
on rocket science. Remember, after the story is told, after the principle is presented, after the discussion and debate have been had, the question for all of us is, therefore what? Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today, and be sure to rate this episode and leave us a review. Follow us on DeseretNews.com slash TW and subscribe to our newsletter. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News. Thanks for engaging with us on Therefore What?